And the fart, the fart button is a pretty good fart. Cute. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Shall we get this started, I guess? <laughs> uh, I like that. As you said, shall we get this started? I played the sad trombone button on my end. <laughs> so I just said, shall we get this started? <laughs> <laughs> no. Our podcast is not sad trombone. No, it's episode 21 of Gaming Fix. Uh, I don't know how much of that intro you want to keep in, Alex, but I think oh. it's all gold. We'll start with um, it. We'll start with the fart. It's fine. Yeah, start start from the fart as we mean to go on. Uh, I am total uh, eclipse of the fart. Episode title. Episode title. Uh, I am the episode title. Sam Harrison. Uh, with me today is Alex. I am the metadata. Fuck. Uh, hi, I am trying to think of something cool to say and I can't because it's too hot. Andre. I am the uh, file source location. And uh, our best boy, Pat. Go. Today we're going to talk about video games, uh, those that we love, those that we may also not love. Um, uh, there are uh, five games on our Have Played This Week list, probably more, um, and uh, we're going to talk about those. Then we're going to have our weekly quiz, and then after that we are going to have a stimulating discussion led by Andre. Stimulating. Uh, he said he did actually send me the direct word, a direct message saying only the word stimulating in air quotes, but all caps. Some of the letters were italicized somewhere. And it did say air quote, air quote <laughs> on either side. Yep. And uh, I think when you type so, them out, they're just regular quotation marks. No, no, but the, in the message it said air. Oh, quote. it said the words air. It quote. said literally yeah. air quote. Okay, that's good. That's good. And air quotes was in quotations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So um, normally, uh, as you may have noticed, I go in alphabetical order for what everyone's been playing this week, um, and I'm going to continue to do that. Alex, what have you been playing? <laughs> wow, way to rock the conventions, huh? Uh, like give me convention didn't rock. Yeah, actually, speaking of anime conventions, this isn't what I played, but I went to one last week as well, as because one other member of our podcast went to an anime convention as recently as yesterday. Uh, brief note: Odafest in Calgary was pretty good. It was pretty huge. I went there for like many years before because it's been around for like twenty years, and it was always like this really tiny festival or convention rather with like maybe a couple thousand people but this year it was like this huge convention hall with like 50,000 people and it was nuts <laughs> and it was like slightly overwhelming but that's too much yeah gotta meet matthew mercer he was nice nice yeah cool. he, he, the 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 yeah. voice of mccree from overwatch if mm-hmm. if you do not know that's why I, I remembered it yeah i was gonna say did you make any mccree quotes i certainly did not because i'm sure he's heard just about <laughs> enough of them <laughs> 
Did you ask him to say anything funny in the McCree voice? No, I asked him what his favorite kind of salad was, and he said Cobb. So that's a good salad. Solid choice. Yeah, I think that was a reasonable response. Do you think anyone's ever asked him what time it is? No. <laughs> if 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 anyone did, it was not me. But um, you should have got into intro our podcast in yeah. McCree voice. Yeah. Uh, I can't think of anything clever right now. Instead. I mean, all that would have to you would you could just take the Overwatch sample of him saying it's high noon, and then use that for the and then just of the like podcast. put a bunch of air. Like, Look, we, time. we did it. Is it noon for anybody? <laughs> no. no. But you could say it's high time you started listening to Gaming Fix. People that listen to the recording of this don't know what time it is. <laughs> it could be I noon for someone. It's high noon somewhere. <laughs> Wow. Oh, damn it. That's right. Sam does mention usually that it's late and he has to go to bed, and you could extrapolate where the rest of. <laughs> damn. But video, <laughs> but video games, yo. I played one. <laughs> oh. Yesterday, well, yeah, no, just yesterday, I played roughly five hours of the video game Left 4 Dead 2. Oh, because okay. uh, I, I have. Can I be not... honest with you? What's up? I'm more interested about why you chose to do that <laughs> so, than your time with Left 4 Dead 2. So I was just chatting. There's been a bunch of stuff going on for me. So I was just like reconnecting with some yeah. old for old friends. And one of which was my uh, my lovely roommate from when I was in school in Boston. And we were like, eh, we're just chatting for like an hour. And they're like, do you want to play a game? I was like, sure. What do you, what do you got? What do you got installed? And both of us happened to have Left 4 Dead 2 installed. Wow. So we're like, all right, let's play a competitive game. And then we eventually got uh, Cheska, my partner, involved as well. So we had three different time zones across two different continents. <laughs> and the game actually performed really well. And I had not played that game probably since, let's say, a month after it launched. And at the time, I was like, this is pretty fun, but I I'm kind of burnt out because I played a lot of the first game, which came out a year before it. And now Left 4 Dead 2 holds up. It's real fun. <laughs> it's more or less mindless, but that's totally fine. Why, if you haven't played it since a month after it came out, why was it installed? Uh, well, no, it was more that it would take me about 10 minutes to install. Okay. That's fair. Okay. <laughs> so, and yeah, it was just not a problem. But yep. yeah, that game that game holds up real well. And it performs really well, especially because we, like I said, we were across two continents. We never had issues with latency. Uh, I don't know. Good game. I don't know. It, has everyone here played it? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. I think it's I've just played Left 4 Dead. It's essentially it's the same. <laughs> it's good. I got bored with it really fast, um, but I th it's been long enough. I could probably play through it again and enjoy it. Yeah, it gets uh, well made. It gets, it gets real tough. It is extremely well made, but it, it does get real tough. Uh, yeah. Fun, fun yeah. fact, uh, when I was 14... Uh, yeah, I think when I was 14, uh, Left 4 Dead 1 came out, and I was like in an active Team Fortress 2 server, and I won a copy of the game, uh, but my computer graphics card wasn't good enough to do the lighting and like all the darkness and stuff. So when I played it, it ran fine, except it was like everything was lit. There was no shadows or anything, so I never needed the flashlight. That's pretty lit, fam. Yes. <laughs> I can't believe you were 14 when Left 4 Dead came out. Well, I definitely had already graduated university. I was, I was <laughs> once told that I sounded like a 40-year-old man with his balls on the floor. 
I've heard this story before and it's still good. By someone uh, in my Team Fortress 2 server. It's <laughs> oh, really funny. I, used, I guess I used to mumble a lot or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and there's just constant like slapping sound coming from your floor. God! I th- so, I think that uh, like Left 4 Dead for me, part of the reason I got bored of it really quick is it hit at a time when like it was like right i had tasted like what progression is like in a multiplayer game and then with left for dead it was like oh so there's no point for me to play this mm-hmm. cuz at the time i was very much hungry for like <clears throat> progression based multiplayer systems and so i found it frustrating that left for dead 2 didn't have that um I think now I might be able to have more fun with it because now I just kind of like to play good games. Yeah, um, like it, you're right. It is a very insular experience. Like it's every yeah. round is its own thing. You are not getting XP to have more perks in future rounds. It's just yeah, it's each right. round is its own thing. But um, that's that's fine. No, totally. You, you like to play good games, but you really said you liked Edith Finch, and I. I just, you know, I'm not sure how that marries <laughs> together with that statement. It's very difficult for me. Okay, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't have much more to say about Left 4 Dead other than it holds up and you should play it with friends. Excellent. Uh, Allison. Yes. What are you this week? Okay. Okay. Sure. Uh, so the past week, the reason that I wasn't on the sh- uh, show last week um, is because I've been moving. I'm like almost done with being all completely in my new apartment, but I still have a lot of stuff to put away. But uh, I simultaneously also bought uh, Hyrule Warriors Definitive Edition right before choosing to move, which at the time I thought was kind of a mistake, considering I know that that game has a ton of content to get into but actually it ended up being a really good choice i thought um partially because that game is so segmented so for instance each story mission has a max um time limit of about 60 minutes but really it doesn't take anywhere that near that long for me to complete it and then the uh, adventure mode uh uh, segments are often really short, are, are a lot shorter. So even though that there's there's all this uh, available content, um, the way that it's segmented and the way that you know the story is not particularly, you know, I'm not somebody that's like, oh, I got to get into all the lore of this. So I, it's not something where I feel like I'm uh, doing it a disservice by playing it, you know, 30 minutes here and there when I'm waiting for. Um, a delivery, like when I was waiting for some of my furniture to be delivered or waiting in between things. So I felt like it was a really good choice, um, especially since the uh, Switch is just so easy to move because uh, for a few days, I didn't have my PlayStation 4 at my new place. I had it at my old place. um, And it was just kind of like, well, you'll get that later. So it was... but. My switch is super easy to bring. Even even having the dock of bring up to bring over is is no big deal. And I still haven't set up my PlayStation Four, and I'm a little bit anxious about it because I took out all the cords and I'm, I have to figure out how to put it all back together. But but I, I, it just it's it's this is just one of those things where it felt like 
Um, kind of the perfect use of the Switch, as well as a really good game to play in kind of segments over the past week. And also, it's, it's just really fun. It's, it's a total power fantasy where it feels like it's the whole... Um, you know, uh, there's you're defeating thousands of enemies per battle, so it it just feels really good to play. And I I don't have a lot of experience with um, the Dynasty Warrior series. I played a couple of them, but not very much, and just mostly with other people. So um, just kind of being able to sit back and just destroy some enemies felt very uh relaxing after a kind of a stressful busy week so i that i i was actually surprisingly um happy with with that decision to buy a very big game before a move looking at the video and if anyone's watching our video version of the podcast you're seeing this too that looks like almost meditative in how point like how mindless it is yeah and there's something like one of the things that you do in those games is um there basically you're trying to take over territory so you go into a room which has a bunch of enemies you defeat a a bunch of those enemies then you defeat the keep boss and then you take that over for yourself and then you see in the mini map oh your forces have kind of taken over this little section of the map. So it feels very satisfying in a, I need to just like clear this map and get it as much of my side as possible, which it, it, it just feels very nice to play, especially when I'm kind of stressed out and have a lot of them on my plate, just to just sit back and play 60 minutes of it and yeah. I uh, I really really liked Fire Emblem Warriors. Uh, like I played that, I played the whole story to completion, and then went back and made sure that I like three starred everything and played a load of missions on hard to get extra stuff. Uh, I thought that was a phenomenal game. Uh, so Hyrule Warriors Definitive Edition is on my list, but uh, I decided I would play a new release game instead of uh, an older game. Even though I have, I never played Hyrule Warriors before, so it's basically a new release. Um, I just figured, you know, keep up with the com the the discourse. I think I'm gonna probably pick up Hyrule Warriors. The last game I played, like of that ilk, was Dynasty Warriors Gundam Two, which is like ten years old at this point. I think. Uh, that sounds amazing. I like the Dynasty Warriors Gundam games quite a bit, actually. They were dumb fun, but I didn't really have much affinity for the characters in dynasty warriors but i like gundam so it was a good fit i wanted to play uh fire emblem warriors on sam's recommendation but like if i'm going to play one of those games i want to play one where i have some connection to the characters and Mm -hmm. i started playing through fire emblem games but it's going to be years before i (laughs) get through a bunch of those so hyrule warriors would be a good fit because i have played every zelda game as it's come out Although uh, I I was looking at possibly I, I was trying to go back going back and forth as to whether I should get Hyrule Warriors Definitive Edition or Fire Emblem Warriors because I just kind of had this urge to play one of those games mm-hmm. and for Fire Emblem Warriors you the the roster is mostly the newer games from what I've heard, what I've heard yeah, that's um, the problem mostly because, Awakening Fates and um, yeah I and so which is kind of a bummer for me because I, I was really into Fire Emblem for Game Boy Advance when I was a kid. Yeah. So I have a lot of affinity for um, 
all of those characters and i'm like oh there's not gonna they aren't gonna any be any of those characters so um like for for instance there's the uh the sacred stones and apparently there's no characters from that in yeah. warriors which is kind of a, which is kind of a bummer honestly yeah i agree i would love but, to see them re- minorly off topic but i would love to see them release a compilation of those 3ds fire emblem games for switch that seems like it would make a lot of sense what if they just released a game boy classic and it had those games on it i I, i'm gonna buy that the second it comes out yep i mean i would much rather have virtual console style releases but like i'll take anything at this point i want to play old nintendo games and i don't want to buy more systems I mean, I honestly don't think that there's any reason. I mean, this is getting into like whole Nintendo, what Nintendo should be doing with their old games discourse. But I mean, I don't. I honestly don't think that there's any reason that there shouldn't be both um, these classic consoles and a virtual console. I feel like there's enough room for both of those to coexist. Um, Let me of tell you <laughs> about the personal computer. The <laughs> <laughs> thing called Dolphin. Look, I, I like that as well, guys. I think Alison and I have a similar phrasing when we just want to own the real thing on a nice yeah, version that gets patched and updated and is good. I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting that either. I think that the str- the frustration for me is more in the middle of like, I wanted to play the original Fire Emblem. Well, the first Fire Emblem in the US. I didn't play like a fan translation of the first first fire emblem but um i started playing the fire emblem games as they released in the u.s and like i would love to pay for a i would pay 10 or 15 bucks for that game if i to have it on switch or even on like a yeah. phone or something but yeah it doesn't exist so what am i gonna do other than emulate right and and, and also i mean i'm lucky enough and that lately i've been getting into um kind of collecting and playing old game boy games um just because that's as something that I, I really like. And I'm lucky enough that I have the um, first uh, Fire Emblem release cart in just from when I was a kid. So I can still sure. go back and replay it, which is which is great. But then if you look at it on Oop. eBay, that's one of those uh, kind of more expensive Game Boy Advance carts. So it's like, do you really necessarily want to buy, spend, um, you know, 40 plus dollars on a Game Boy Advance game from... Uh, you know, Especially when that money is not going to Nintendo anyway. It's right. not as if you're actually spending it in a way that gets back to them. So like, right, there's exactly. no there's no moral high ground to purchasing an, a used cart from that period. It's just, yeah, yeah. For me, I, I I mean, I like kind of the thing that's kind of getting for me with the um, collection is is just more of like I, I really do like that kind of physical response to those games. Sure. So I, especially with some of these other ones, I've been um, buying them for not too much. I, it's, I, I don't want to necessarily like break the bank in any of this, but, but, but I can uh, totally understand it. And, and I, and yeah. I think it's a real shame that Nintendo hasn't really, um, especially with the switch jumped on that virtual console, just because it's like, it's it's i feel like it's basically free money and i don't really understand why they're like oh let's not re-release these fire emblem games that people want to play it's yeah free real estate yeah it's just like i mean even look at the on the switch store all the neo geo games that they're re-releasing it's like it, that's people are paying for neo geo games on the switch 
I feel like people would 100% pay for Fire Emblem Game Boy Advance re-releases on the Switch. It's... Totally. Uh, yeah. But wait, wait. Are you, who are you playing as in Fire Emblem or in Hyrule Warriors? Um, like everyone. You've got a lot of really characters. There's a whole. No, but but who who is your character of choice? Who's your main? Oh oh oh. Um. I am not super far in the story. I've done I've done some some of the story missions and I've done a decent amount of the adventure mode. But I am really digging Linkle. Um, That's Linkle is awesome. Linkle is super fun, and, and and her design is really cute, and her uh, story is is kind of adorable. Where basically she's somebody that like her grandmother or somebody told her. Uh, you're oh yeah, you're totally the hero of legend, and she's like I totally believe that even though Link's there. So she's uh, going around, running around, and not 100% uh, great at it, but she's she's really fun. But Can but I feel like I like it. Where, yeah. Whereas Link's there, and then he's like trying to save the day, but then Linkle does it instead, just through sheer force of will. Can, can you play as Tingle? There's definitely characters in this game that are playable that I don't remember from any Zelda games. But, 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 but can, can, can you play as Tingle? Yeah, you yes, yes, you can. Fuck, I need to get that game. <laughs> yeah, I know it looks really cool. I'll probably get I just it. Put like it on my rental list. Um, Pat. Hmm. I thought you were saying something. Don't no, worry. no, no. I thought that was your transition this time. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, speaking of. Oh. <laughs> uh, this isn't a transition either. Uh, but speaking of Nintendo Classic stuff, uh, the Nintendo UK store emailed me the other day to say they're getting NES Classics. So I pre ordered one. I think oh, I saw something. I think I saw something about UK stores taking pre orders and shipping to America. Oh. <laughs> oh, boy. Wow. I. So wait, I'm so, so tempted. if it, but would you have to get like, would you have to use some kind of uh, converter for the power, like a transformer? You would, yeah. But well, it, it's just USB power. It's just USB, yeah. So you just oh, it's USB. USB port. Okay, never mind. Um, I yeah, I'm gonna buy it and I'm gonna put it in my loft and just forget that I own it <laughs> because I'm I don't have any urge to play it right now, but. I just need to be able to, if I can. I mean, I really like my um, SNES Classic, so, you know, it's... I, I, I think that I, I definitely like the NES Classic, too. It's, it's, a, it's a fun thing. It was actually the first thing I played on my new, in my new apartment. Oh. I bought seven SNES Classics. Uh, five of those were for friends of mine. So um, I was like, because basically I was like, like Sam. classics right now, do you want them? And they were like, yes. So I pre-ordered for basically all of my friends on the UK store game, uh, which didn't have a limit on pre-orders. So I got one for all my friends. And then um, I kept one for myself that went in the loft and then one that what I had to play with. And the one that I had to play with, I used twice and was like, I'll just keep the one I've got in the loft and sell this one. So I sold it on and uh, paid for both of the two that I kept with the one that I sold. <laughs> I wasn't trying to be a scalper, but I literally I was like, this is the like suggested price on eBay. <laughs> okay. Welcome to Capitalist Fix. 
our newest yeah, podcast. Totally. <laughs> uh, speaking of the sick loots that I've got, uh, Andre, I believe that you've been playing the greatest game of all time this week. Oh, God. Uh, no, I, I did not play The Witcher 3. Do I am <laughs> going back to it, um, even though I've kind of wrong everything I can out of it. Um, well, yeah, I, I picked up uh, Diablo 3 on the PSN sale, and there was... Uh, Detroit Become Feedies, I think, is uh, just launched. So there's like something to get you watch like a trailer about, uh, I think, about the civil rights movement. And then they give you a 20% discount or something. They probably uh, mention the civil rights movement more in that trailer than they do in the actual game. Uh, maybe. That would, they have yet I, to re- mention the civil rights movement. Oh, I know all about the civil rights movement in that game. I'm going to keep my thoughts. So, so when we, I guess when we get to that discussion, I'll bring it back up. But um, yeah, uh, I've been playing Diablo 3. Uh, I, I played it on PC. Uh, I'm playing on PS4 now. I'm playing the Necromancer because it's like the Ultimate Edition or whatever. And that wasn't in the regular version that I played on P- or PC. Necromancer is very fun to play. I'm, I finished the second act last night. And I don't know. It's That's a game. Uh, nothing too exciting to say about it, I guess, right now. Like, I haven't done anything crazy. Like, I'm not doing, like, a hardcore or, like, weird stuff. I don't even know what, like, the seasonal like seasonal stuff. I don't know what that is. Next season ends uh, pretty soon. I think it's the 2nd of June. I don't even know what it, like, what, I don't know what it is. There's, like, a list of, it's a list of objectives, basically. Uh, Um, And it's, you can pull up the list while you're in-game, and it's, it's sort of just, like, um, goals that unlock different stuff for you yeah. as you complete okay. them. Uh, and yeah. also it's a ranking of how high yeah. level you can get. Like the, the the seasons are ranked by your yeah. high, the highest level you get to and you're ranked with everyone playing Diablo on yeah. console. And you have to um, make a new character every season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you get to level 70 in the season, you get a item set usually. Okay. that's It's a pretty cool concept that keeps yeah. that game yeah. keeps it fresh I, yeah. I usually get to level 70 every season mm-hmm. that's just oh yeah um so yeah i only played through it once on pc so i'll probably mm-hmm. play through it a couple times with different characters i don't remember who i played with on pc it was like demon hunter maybe or if not demon hunter then like monk maybe i don't i don't even remember i've um, always oops, sorry Sam. sorry Karen. Uh, I've always felt that that game on PC is like super, 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 super boring because it's like you click the mouse button a lot of times and mash number keys here and there. Like I never found anything about that game uh, particularly entertaining on PC. However, on console, it's a much more tactile experience because you're actually like pushing button, like you're pushing controller buttons. It feels more like you're playing a video game that is like there's it just feels like there's more skill involved in, in moving your character around and and stuff um i always felt like on pc it was just super mm. boring it, clicky it does not feel that way with necromancer because i'm just like okay my little skeletons are gonna run over here and they're gonna fight and i'm just gonna like kind of hold x i want to make some spikes shoot up from a distance and so like it's not the most engaging thing, but I've just been listening to podcasts and stuff, and it's really good for that, which is kind of what I've been looking for. 
my goal with Necromancer is to have as many minions as possible. Um, so I set the revive on one button, uh, all the other minion spells on all the other buttons, and uh, basically uh, make get all the variations of minions so that minions can be corpses. And I usually get so many that it makes the game freeze quite a lot. Uh, and on, on the pro as well. The best thing to do is to play Diablo 3 co-op with someone uh, and play a necromancer and then spawn a ton of minions and then they have to deal with all of your minions being on screen. Yeah. Being pains in the ass. Doctor. Play a witch doctor and have everything that you can physically summon as a witch doctor. Uh, it's very stupid. It's very hard to tell what is a summon and what is an enemy. Um, yeah, I play a lot of Diablo 3, obviously. Um, uh, I would say character classes. If you're going to play a hardcore run, uh, play a Crusader or a Monk, because they have the most self-heal. Um, and uh, just play whatever you want. If you're going to play a season, play something you haven't played before. Demon Hunter is really silly. Everything gets good later on, but I feel like a few classes start good and stay good. And the Barbarian is one that really comes into its own at the end, mm-hmm. but isn't super fun for like four levels. That's so, a lot of levels. Yeah, it's that's a like, lot of levels. That's like half the game. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's pretty quick. And so if I, you know, I'll play stuff on harder difficulties uh, going forward. I'm playing on hard right now just for that extra experience. And then after that, I'll lift it up. But yeah, nothing too exciting to say about it other than it's a video game. Mm-hmm. It's a video game. But I would love to hear about... Well, I guess Pat has stuff. Oh, I don't really want to... Yeah. I'd love to hear what Pat has to say, but I really want to hear what Sam has to say. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Pat, don't stray too far from the point. <laughs> Scott, that was oh, probably no. your best segue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, give, give, me one, give me one second. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so um, I bounced around between a lot of stuff this week. I'm still kind of trying to get my like um, work video games balance in the right spot uh, and haven't really wanted to jump in on anything super um, long and like that's that takes up a ton of time. Um, so the I picked up this game far the loan sales earlier this week. Um, it's a really lovely little indie game. Um, I kind of picked it up hoping it was going to be a roguelike survival-y kind of thing, but it's very, very much not that. It is pretty much just, I don't say just, but it's pretty much inside or limbo, um, almost to a T. Um, but that's not a bad thing. Um, those games are both really phenomenal. And um, FAR doesn't feel like it's... It definitely feels like the developers of FAR played a lot of inside but they do interesting things that are different even though mechanically it's really similar um and the basic idea is that you have you're kind of in a post-apocalypse and you have this um land ship thing vehicle that has an interior that you can run around in um and you're trying to just keep it moving keep going to the right it's a 2d game um very very pretty 
very interesting use of color uh, in the game. A lot of it is pretty gray with spots of it, of splashes of color here and there. Um, and I think it's just a really interesting, unique thing if you're into that kind of like, I guess like 2D walking simulator is maybe the way to put it. It has puzzles, but they're very, very light. Um, the, I finished all of them pretty much like a minute or two after I found them, nothing particularly challenging from a puzzle perspective. Um, but uh, yeah, it's very pretty. It's very interesting. It's very much not for you. If like it's $15 game, it's about two hours long. Um, I think, and actually have been having a lot of thoughts around like value in games. And I think if you are, you maybe need to check your, priorities when it comes to video games if you are going to split hairs over a $15 game I definitely think there's something to be said for like I paid $60 for this AAA experience and it lasted me two hours that would be something to complain about but like like, the order sure right absolutely but like $15 like it's less than lunch in a lot of large American cities anyway like I don't know that that seems like to me, that's very much worthwhile for an experience that someone clearly poured a lot of heart and soul into, even if it didn't result in a super long game. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I think it's worth checking out. Uh, I think Sam would hate it because he doesn't like like his games to be particularly artistic. They got to just be a lot of like mashing buttons repeatedly over and over again. <laughs> so, <laughs> wait, talk about uh, wait. So mashing buttons. I have a game for you. Wait, oh, I feel but, like but, uh, Pat, you had something else you want to yeah. get to the main event. Pat, I have a uh, wait. I have one question about Far. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is there anything in that game that seems like it would benefit from being made into a real doll, like oh, like with like with inside? <laughs> so actually, on that point, I would say the the big so thing I would say. <laughs> the big thing I would say about the about Far versus Inside is. Um, I don't remember. I think I blocked out a lot of the ending of Inside from my mind. Obviously, I remember the Fleshball. Um, I don't remember that game ever getting any like brighter. It just like starts rough and is rough. Yep. Forever. Far is not like that at all. Far is very earnest. It's very hopeful. It's very. I wouldn't say happy because it's sad. Uh, in that you're in a post-apocalypse and it's it's a lonesome journey and, but, it's it's earnest in a way that I think is really, really beautiful. And it's about discovery and exploration and survival in a way that I think is like positive. And I left it feeling good, not feeling like, I mean, I'm not taking anything away from inside either. I love that kind of like disturbed dark feel, but it was nice to play something in that vein. That is kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. It's actually like very, happy yeah. and, and, and hopeful are, are there some reveals or or kind of discoveries in that game kind of i mean not as dark obviously as the ending of inside but you know just kind of that have that level of impact or no i would not say that i would say that there is a moment there is one sort of reveal that is probably the best moment in that game that probably is something i will try to keep in mind for best moment Mm. when i'm talking about games at the end of the year but it is one that i would mention and say is really good but like the the ending of inside is like 
it's not as good as that or in terms of like the impact emotional impact um inside is much more um i think powerful emotionally than this game now the emotion that inside is trading on is like disgust and <laughs> and and uh horror but uh and far is more i don't know it was like oh wow that's interesting that's poignant and it made me kind of smile and and um then you do a very cool thing but i wouldn't call it some great deep reveal it's more just like a cool little thing that makes sense over the course of the game when you get to it well for sure well i'm definitely interested in playing that just because i do love games like that but the the idea of it being more hopeful than inside or limbo is is intriguing yeah it's very nice it was it, it was a it was a nice thing to stumble on and i'm glad that it that I found out about it and then it popped up. I haven't really heard anybody else talking about it either, which is too bad because I think it deserves t- to be played for sure. Um, but yeah, I'll say briefly too, um, I uh, started playing some of State of Decay 2. That game seems real good. It also seems really like State of Decay 2. Um, if you're not interested in a zombie management <laughs> game or like zombie survival management sim that's what it is uh and it's definitely like you spend a lot of time in menus it's a little janky um spend a lot of time like running to the fast food store across the street to pick up a rucksack of food to feed your people so i don't think it's for everybody but it's 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 a fun it's interesting and um some of the ways they play with uh character archetypes is really cool um like i started with this a couple that was like they kept like the backstory on them was like they kept breaking up and getting back together and breaking up and getting back together and like the apocalypse hasn't changed that cycle of like self-destruction in their relationship and but they they think they finally found got it this time and like they're gonna try to live this thing out together and then they have traits and the traits are like can range from like um like a sport shooter where they they have good they're good with a firearm because they, they were a sports shooter to like this person is a kleptomaniac or this person is um, even things totally unrelated that you wouldn't think would have any like sci-fi geek. This, and there's just lots of neat little traits. The thing is that um, you're is why I think it'll be a barrier for a lot of people is that that's not borne out. Once you really start playing, like the fact that they're in a relationship is briefly touched on in the tutorial sequence at the beginning but it's not the game doesn't really have any kind of narrative to it that would push them forward it's pretty generic in terms of how the survivors are portrayed so you kind of have to think all that stuff up in your head and and put those dots together yourself um but it plays well and it's the the menus are way more intuitive than state of decay one so if that game looked interesting to you but the lack of polish on it was the thing that t- that turned you away it's might be worth checking out dated k2 the thing that uh, this is a little bit of an aside but when you mentioned that it was a zombie management sim i immediately thought that it, you're talking about managing the zombies and i'm oh, kind of no. disappointed that's not what it's about and to be clear i actually don't like zombies that much i think they're pretty boring in general this is one of the few games that i actually think they're kind of cool in, or the the setting is kind of cool anyway. What? You don't think Plants vs. Zombies is cool? Well, and like, I don't, not to drag it, but like, I don't particularly like, like, the, 
the the mass produced left for dead style zombie shooters that just started to get churned out during that time were really really oh yeah uh, tiring to me uh and i don't find i don't really like the walking dead i don't really like most zombie movies i'm pretty anti-zombie generally (laughs) how do you feel about freakers (laughs) (laughs) oh boy um so State of Decay 2 is a game I have no desire to play, but after hearing like you talk about that couple that is brought up in the tutorial and listening to Austin Walker from Waypoint talk about uh, his experience with the game, is a game I look forward to hearing people like flesh out their experiences. Yeah. Like, oh, this happened and like, build their own narrative around yep. and like hear about those experiences, but I have no desire to play that game. Yeah, it's a lot of busy work in the game itself. I, I wouldn't kind of like Austin, I would be, I would have reservations about wholeheartedly recommending it to people. Um, because yeah, it is a lot of like, like I played it for an hour last night and most of that time was spent like, well, now I'm low on medicine. I got to go do that. And now I got an on food. I got to go get some food. And it's not like, it's like super tense or engaging. It's more like, ah, fuck. Now there's four zombies in front of me and I got to kill them all before I can get to the food. It, it, it it's, I enjoy it, but it is basically just replenishing numbers, the game. Um, and then eventually you have time to go and move things forward a little bit and get to a bigger base or something. But yeah. Okay. I mean, like I always feel like it's not that hard to inject an interesting story into that sort of game. Uh, I don't know. Like I downloaded it. It's on my Xbox, but I would, uh, I would not play it if it had a story because, um, the, the 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 interesting thing about that game to me is the management part and if i had to also this is probably part of why i didn't play the first one through that much i i don't like i the idea of having like a storyline on top of this thing to me the storyline is the story that i make for the characters while i'm playing it and to have any of that part of it's kind of like people who play pen and paper role playing games like there are people who really really love just playing through adventure books that they buy that their DM buys at the game store and like they're playing through pre-authored adventures. I prefer pen and paper role playing where the DM reacts more on the fly to what the players want to do. And that's kind of like the differences there. I think you're right in that injecting a narrative into this game wouldn't be that hard, but I think it would remove a lot of, if that, if they did that, I would be like, well, give me the sandbox mode. Cause I don't want to play the story mode. I just want to play the sandbox mode. Um, and uh, that's part of why I don't think it's for everybody, though, for sure. There's a really cool iPad game. I don't know what the status of it is, whether it's still a game you can buy and play, called Rebuild, which was basically zombie Civ. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would highly, highly recommend it. As someone who, again, doesn't like zombie games, you would have, like, hero survivors with cool traits um and like you would slowly build out the base and you'd have like fences and you could you'd like slowly push the fences further and further out but the goal's always to in the same way as Civ, there's win goals there were goals like you could escape by helicopter or you could um cure the virus like there were loads of different ways to do it i played that game for like years on my ipad this is uh, a little looking at, I just Googled it. I know what you're talking about. This has like a few minor similarities to that in that it is, um, you are building up 
like you're you're managing survivors and managing your base but i think the thing that are, is really going to kill it for a lot of people is the busy work involved in like yes eventually you can build farm stuff so you don't have to worry about food anymore but like the resources required to build the farms and the amount of space required to build the farms outweighs their usefulness when you could be using the slots in your base to build things that are more directly impactful rather than just providing passive food. But if you don't do that, then you have to be providing food like a rucksack of food, um, which you can carry one of uh, takes like 10 to 15 minutes, maybe, maybe a little less to go get. And um, your that contains like three to five, pieces of food and your base uses a piece of food per survivor you start with four survivors so essentially you need to spend per in-game day around a half an hour going to get food and the in-game days are like two two to two and a half hours long i think around there so like that's and and there's other consumable resources too so you're also going out to get those other consumable resources so you spend like most of your time replenishing your stock of stuff that your people need and then every two hour play session you might get a half hour of time to go and scout out a new base or move to a new area and i'm sure that that changes as you get deeper into the game and you automate some of those processes so i don't want to like suggest that forever and always in the game you're spending more time getting resources than you are doing anything else but in my experience it that is a big part of the game the fun part and the thing that I I enjoy is that time when shit goes sideways and this routine food grab, I just wandered out to go get food and then a blood plague zombie jumped on me and now one of my people has a blood plague and it adds a whole new layer of like, shit, now I got to think about this too. That sort of tension is present all the time in State of Decay 2, but for some reason it feels less stressful to me than it does in games like Darkest Dungeon and other kind of like similar um like this game is really hard kind of games um so it's a little bit more fun for me still to have to deal with the 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 ways things go bad rather than uh like well shit now i may as well just start over okay cool did you like dead rising uh yes i do actually that's one of the other few zombie games i like i never played anything past the first one but i probably i did everything in the first one i did like i got every achievement in it the second one was really good. The so end I've heard of Dead Rising. Like I haven't beaten it. I got it on PS4 in like the remastered version, and I got to the point. Spoilers for Dead Rising. I got to the point where like the army or whatever SWAT yeah. teams. Yep. And That's then that, so fun. I it just kind of killed my interest in the game. Yeah, I could see that. Okay. Cool. Speaking of killing interest in games. <laughs> uh, yeah, so classic uh, classic segue there, Andre. Um, no, uh, so I've been playing a video game today. Uh, I think I've probably played about four or five hours, maybe. Basically in two big chunks. Uh, I played for quite some time then had dinner, then played until we, about half an hour before we started recording. Um, uh, so I've been playing Detroit Become Human, written and directed by David Cage, <laughs> which it says extremely prominently when you first load the game. 
uh, during the credit sequence, which is when I realized Lance Henriksen was in the game because I knew Clancy Brown was in it because his face is in a lot of the trailers. Uh, and they very clearly mo-capped him because it looks exactly like Clancy Brown. Um, yeah, so uh, a bit of history on David Games and Quantic Dream. Um, I loved Fahrenheit. I liked Heavy Rain, and I didn't finish Beyond Two Souls. Or if I did finish it, I don't remember it. So I might as well not have. Um, I, from memory, I did think I do think I actually got extremely close to the end, and then got very frustrated by a quick time section, um, or maybe the lack of Willem Dafoe. I don't know. Um, but can't you just fail all those quick time sections? We've I all, think we've all seen Heavy Rain video yeah well if you failed enough notes in a song in fahrenheit your character would hang themselves so <laughs> i forgot about Fahrenheit's that very good video game that part notwithstanding <laughs> yeah there's a couple of extremely funny parts in fahrenheit if you make the wrong choices um that i do not think were intentionally funny um yeah so i mean like uh Detroit's super interesting, um, especially having played A Way Out like two months ago, um, which is kind of biting its shtick. Um, but obviously multiplayer. Um, so I'll, I will say a couple of things about the story in that I think the characters are all really cool so far. You play as um, androids, uh, in this kind of society that's kind of still coming to terms with androids existing. Um, it's got a lot... It feels like they've done their homework in some parts, but not in others. Um, uh, like, for example, they talk about how androids replace regular workers. Um, and that's big tension in the game between people who have had their jobs stolen by androids. Um, it's like menial labor jobs are no longer necessary. It's cheaper to hire an to buy an android than to hire a person. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of really cool stuff in it. Um, there's loads of magazines littered around that talk about the like geopolitical situation. Um, and that's really interesting. Um, sorry, I'm just I'm hearing some very weird cat noises, and I want to make sure they're not like destroying something. Um, yeah, so the geopolitical situation is super interesting. Um, like, basically, well, no, I don't want to spoil it for anyone who's vaguely interested in the game. Um, is anyone here vaguely interested in the game? We probably shouldn't spoil it in case anyone listening like, is. I'm vaguely interested in knowing exactly what happens in this game, yeah, but not necessarily playing it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cheska and I plan on playing it. She'll be here in about a week and a half. So Cool. We shouldn't spoil it for anyone who's listening either. Yeah, so. yeah for sure. Uh, there's one thing that I want to say that is not a spoiler, but kind of tells you the level of writing that David Cage is working on. The androids have to go at the back of the bus. There's a That's... special compartment in the bus. There's a special the compartment. compartment, which is at the back of the bus. So that's... They don't get seats. They have but, to stand but this up. game isn't political, though, right? Isn't that what he said? It was like, this, is, this isn't a political game, but... 
Oh, the androids are just at the back of the bus. And I th- think this is like the, the like, okay, it's set in Detroit, and the androids have to sit at the back of the bus, but it's not political, and we're not going to reference the civil rights movement at any point. Like it, I don't know that. No, that's that not shit, going. That shit makes my blood boil. They're not <laughs> going to. They're not going to say civil rights movement. They're but they're going to say we have a dream. Right. That's just yeah. Like, oh my God. I. I. Okay. Would Sam? Would you? Would you maybe say that? Uh, I don't know. Connor's uh, story is like Blade Runner, but the androids are the good guys. Um. I'm not too far. Like it's difficult to say because I'm not far in any of the storylines. Uh, I'm pretty sure David all... Cage said that. Didn't he also okay. say? It's like if Deckard was an android. No, no, but okay. he did say it, he that did, up. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> he did say <laughs> if the androids were the good guys. Okay. Okay. He might have said something about Deckard being an android, but that might have I been gotta, a joke that other people made about. Yeah, him. I don't know. I gotta know. It's hard to fucking tell. Yeah. Has anyone seen um, Blade Runner twenty forty nine? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So uh, there was a fascinating. A, like hour-long interview-style talk with James Cameron and Denny Villeneuve uh, just ahead of Blade Runner twenty forty nine coming out, and um, uh, I didn't mean to say James Cameron. I meant to say Ridley Scott. I was okay. really confused. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So, be a weird thing. <laughs> I get those two mixed up, and I couldn't explain why. Um, so James Cameron Scott, directed the sequel to Alien. You don't want to yeah, see this bullshit. You want to see Avatar three, four, five. Because two is going to be bullshit, and I already know. Uh, so, Danny, they're all on stage, and um, the basically the interviewer is like, So, uh, Ridley, a lot of uh, conversations happen over the years over whether Deckard is or is not a replicant. And Ridley Scott's like, Yeah, he's a replicant. The film yeah. does not work on a story basis if he is not a replicant. And then uh, Danny Villeneuve just goes, I don't think so. And I'm making the sequel where we answer that question. (laughs) And basically there was like three minutes of really uncomfortable conversation slash silence. And then they kind of carried on. Wait. Okay. But like, it's not even a spoiler that he is in the sequel. He's definitely not. Oh God! Okay, <laughs> the conversation for another time. I still haven't seen it, so I need to. I can't wait. Uh, yeah, Pat, Pat, watch that movie again. No, you watch that movie again. <laughs> and then one of you has to watch Triple uh, X: Return of Xander Cage. I mean, I'll take that bullet if you know. Anyway, Detroit Become Human is a video game. Uh, I don't really I, I can't give a value judgment on it yet there's been loads of stuff that's been really interesting um, Fiona's been watching me play the game um, and she doesn't really watch me play stuff she doesn't like um, she's not a huge fan of the normal things that like uh, previous girlfriends have watched me play Telltale games for example and been like oh I'm invested in XYZ choice or whatever um, but she doesn't like that. She like she wants to play. Like if there's a Telltale game, she wants to be in charge. 
which is absolutely fine. But she really enjoyed watching me play Detroit, and she kept it like she's been. She's packing to go on holiday, and she's having her hen do this weekend. And she like was walking back into the room, like, "What's happened while I was upstairs?" And like, she was super into the game, and I thought that that was really cool. Um, all the faces are fantastic. Um, some are better than others. Um, weirdly, some of the main character faces are worse than the NPCs. Um, like Connor's face is very. I think that the the face capture actor that they used for Connor is purposefully trying to be very like unemotional and robotic. Um, he he looks like he's someone who has no emotions, faking it. Um, the Marcus, the other character, is super interesting as well. Um, yeah, Mark. Sorry, I just keep getting million messages for some reason. Um, yeah, Marcus, the other character, is super interesting. Um, but uh, I think I'm the most invested in kind of a tie between Kara and Mark and Connor's story. Um, there was a really super interesting crossover um, in the latest chapter that I played. So, like, was it the most ambitious crossover? Uh, it wasn't. It was more ambitious than you would expect from a David Cage game, uh, having played a lot of them. I don't know. I expect lots of ambition from David Cage. <laughs> I just don't yeah, like whether he can... expect anything out of him, it's ambition. Yeah. Uh, okay. Followed up on ambition. Um, that I just don't believe you on. <laughs> basically, for the first like four hours of the game, every single chapter is like an act of that person's story and you switch from character to character to character based on like kind of like time of day so like if someone's doing something interesting at nine in the morning you go see them and then at the 10 in the morning slot you go see them and so it kind of everything plays kind of chronologically um but there was a really cool moment where you're playing one character who's on the run and uh you look out a window and you see connor and like you see connor having a conversation and like connor is a detective um you see connor having a conversation and then the you you're playing connor like you're playing one character and then you're instantly playing the other and then it it shifts back and forth and there's like a really cool chase scene where you're chasing but also running away and there's like qtes and you can do well as one character on purpose or badly or it was really so, cool so it's like resident evil 6 like towards the end of the game where you're all like ending up in i think in japan and then like you're in a firefight and then overhead you see a plane crashing but then you realize that leon's on that plane because it's air force one and then they all meet up and they cross paths not so much i'm emphatic um, like <laughs> Um, yeah, so so far, I have not seen any super offensive civil rights movement appropriation, except for the back of the bus thing. Um, so, I, I guess it's less the appropriation that bothers me, like individual instances. It's more like the whole thing is a major appropriation of like there's an anal the whole thing is, is analogous to the civil rights movement, and they seem to be unwilling to like discuss that which is the thing i think is frustrating about it um it's hard to say really 
for me because like I haven't really been following the discourse around the game once basically the second that the um abusive parent trailer was debuted at E3 and everyone was like this is bad we hate it it's bad uh I essentially checked out on all media coverage of the game because I knew sure. that I wanted to play it and uh I I can often tolerate things that people think are bad um, or are hokey or clumsy for the cinematic nature of Cage's games, which you kind of don't get anywhere else. Like, there's no, there are no games like David Cage games. Even A Way Out was very cinematic. Um, I would say uh, Until Dawn was yeah, definitely. right there. Right. It's a is way better than any David Cage game that I have played. I would agree. One hundred percent. And I don't like <laughs> horror. And I, I loved that game. I expected to hate that. Game. As did I. I hate, I hate horror movies. Uh, I love it's... horror, and I love the horror that that game is riff, riffing on. And I didn't play it until last November because my partner said we should play it because I thought I was going to hate it. So <laughs> I, I literally I rented it from Redbox and I played it from like 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. Literally, I played it in one sitting until dawn. Uh, I played that in two sittings as well. Uh, and I also rented it. It was the game that I used on the free trial for the rental service that I use. I liked it so much. I went and I bought it. Yeah, I they gave it away on PS Plus, so that's how I own it. I guess like they eventually did that too. So to get back to to Detroit, I think the thing that is like that I f- find particularly infuriating is like having lived in. Yeah, it's like he talked about how this. I seem to recall, and I can't give you an exact source, but he talked about how like. Detroit's story is the story of the real life city is integral to the game, he which is the fourth character in the game is the city of Detroit. Yeah. Which is fucking bullshit for one. I can tell you right now from everything I've seen, he knows absolutely nothing about the city of Detroit. <laughs> uh, I'd like to point out that he refers to it as the fourth playable character. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> characters. The city is not okay. playable. So like Metroplex. <laughs> so like there's Across that. The, that's a good twist. Right now in this in this country, there's like a huge national conversation happening about um, the ways in which oppression and um, and and race and government and everything interact, um, which he can't control. And I'm not saying that no one from a like another country is allowed to make art that is critical of or takes like or or talks about what happens in the U S or any other country by any means, but it's like, he has a complete, he doesn't understand the, 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 the place he's setting the game and he doesn't understand the climate that the game is being released in. And he talks the way he talks about like science fiction with robots in it. He doesn't even seem to understand the material he's drawing inspiration from either. So I just, it just is like, so like, it just seems like so wildly off the mark in every way that I, I guess I, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know how to even like, I, I wouldn't even know how to approach playing it, I guess. <laughs> it just, ugh, I don't know. I, mean, I think for me, it's difficult. Um, it's difficult to reconcile it because like 
Stan Lee created X-Men as a metaphor to help people understand the civil rights movement, uh, which then morphed into LGBT rights sure. uh, in more recent years. Um, and But, like, is still very much talking about, um, like, when Iceman came out as gay recently... He basically the character like they said, "Oh, why have you been straight all this time?" And he said, "It was hard enough being a mutant. I didn't want to be gay as well." And like, sure. you know, I, I think it's really interesting. And like, um, they did have a gay writer on I, the Iceman solo book, and it's very good. If anyone has time to read that, it's something I'd recommend. It's very fun. Um, but uh, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to reconcile David Cage writing that because, like, yes, he's the head writer, but I like I don't know what's I don't know anything about David Cage apart from that he's an asshole, right? Uh, yeah, and that he writes French. games that have extremely poor execution in the end. And I and I don't mean to suggest that nobody else should enjoy playing this game either. To be clear, like I'm not judging anybody on this show or anywhere else that would play it and get something out of it because I mean people being finding joy in things is my favorite thing. So like it, it's, it's great. It's just, when I see that game, I just see a disastrous piece of fiction that I can't like wrap my head around. And it's hard. Like, I, I feel like that has to be part of the conversation when you critically discuss it. And in, so far I haven't really heard as much of that as I would have expected to hear, I guess. People seem to be a lot more accepting of a lot of its, like, missteps. Again, I haven't played it, so I'm going off of what I've heard other people say about it that are talking about it. Maybe they're way off base. Maybe it's nowhere near as bad as they make it out to be. Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of people, when talking about games, are a lot more forgiving of things like story or character or, or just things that are beyond you know, gameplay and if it looks good. I, f I feel like in general, that's something that I feel like games, the games industry needs to kind of grow from is that they're still like, wow, this game is, um, you know, doesn't crash on me all the time. It's it's eight out of 10. Like, I don't want to get into like a whole, like what's score uh, inflation or whatever. Yeah. But, but I feel like at a certain point, there's, I don't know if there's quite the same level of discourse surrounding games, especially in terms of, you know, analyzing story or character or anything like and that in the same way that there is for something like film. I think we have a tendency to hold this, like we have the tendency to hold a Destiny 2 expansion storyline to the same standards that we hold a game that is trying to tell a complex story about right. racial analogies to robots and in an embattled city that's still on the upright. Like those are two different kinds of things. So I don't think it's fair to say like, oh, the story in Warmind is kind of shit. And then, like, use that as, like, a comparison point to stories like uh, Detroit. Like, I just don't think – that just doesn't work to me. And I think we still are evolving in our discourse around games to, to like, account for that, I guess. Right. And games to – you know, it, it's still fairly recent that games are able to even attempt to tell, like, a, right. an engaging – um complex story so i i feel like i, th I feel like that's just some an area to grow because let me tell I, you I about kingdom hearts <laughs> <laughs> from what i've heard recently about kingdom hearts i should probably play kingdom hearts the more yeah, I'm the story's pretty simple pretty clean so oh god 
Uh, but back to Detroit, become human. Um, yeah. David Cage has fucked up by this point in every other David Cage game I've played. Uh, so, like, the story is still pretty interesting. Um, I also, there's definitely like a couple of things. Um, there's a couple of scenes that I've played that I really, really enjoyed. Um, and there's been a couple of jump scares, which is not oh, very David wow. Cagey. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised about that, honestly. Cool. I was super surprised when the first one happened because I was like, this is a spooky area. But, like, it's a David Cage game. And then, like, basically somebody ran past the camera in the dark in the corner of your vision. And I was like, hmm, no, I'm out. No, this isn't what I want. Um, Yeah, I honestly, like, I would, so far, I would recommend this over every other David Cage game, probably even including Fahrenheit. Um, uh, Definitely Heavy Rain and Beyond. This This is beyond... Heavy Rain and Beyond, but so far by a huge margin. The characters are way more interesting. Um, and, um, like, the three main characters are genuinely, like, I care about what's going on with them. I'm interested to see where their story goes. Um, and, like, each of them has had really interesting relationships um, with other characters in the game that are, like, quite well told and... Um, not just told by like a dialogue thing or it's told by like looks and um the way that they like touch each other or look at each other or like the way that they act around each other is genuinely like actually interesting um i'm not telling anyone to go out and buy this game um like i rented it and i think that that's probably the way that my inter- my payment relationship with this game will stay i don't see my this being one of the ones that i pay the rental people to keep um which i i do do fairly regularly but i don't think i'm going to with this one um uh, it might be something that i would eventually pick up again like when when we were playing it together fiona was like i really want to see what the other endings are i think we should replay this together so like that like for certain specific scenes and um yeah to the the video that's playing also they changed some of the dialogue and the interactions from the demo to the main game which i thought was really cool yeah that's cool. right uh because if you're like me i played that demo to get every available ending and dialogue option and so when i went into the game i was like yeah this item's here this item's there this has what why isn't that there and like had to like look around and like change some stuff and that was really cool. Um I still I, I knew a little bit too much about the scenes that have been in trailers. So like the scene with the abusive dad, like I knew where the gun was in the house. So I made sure that I looked at that before so that I could have it later in the game. Like there was stuff that I knew that like if I'd gone in blind, I think I might have been worse at that game. Sure. Uh, for all the scenes that I have gone in completely blind that I've been like, oh, fuck, I fucked that up. I fucked up in like an interrogation scene as Connor, like quite badly. Um, there was a couple of dialogue options that I thought were like, try another tactic. And it was actually give up and leave, stop interrogating. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's wrinkles. Um, I'll talk fully about the game next week because I will have finished it. Uh, I expect to finish it tomorrow morning. 
um, or tomorrow lunchtime. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, I can't recommend it yet. I can, however, say that if you have liked David Cage games before, or if you like Telltale games, um, I'd probably say give it a shot. Uh, maybe not at full price until I've seen the ending through. Um, and I've seen people talking about the ending as if it is terrible. Um, and David Cage cannot stick landings with video game endings. Um, Fahrenheit is the closest he's ever come to a good ending for a game. Uh, and it's not very good. Uh, so, yeah. I like everybody remember the origami killer. And how that was... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was, was terrible. It was so that they never explain. What if the what if the android was you all along? <laughs> what if the well, android... That is the case in there. I, I read about like the secret ending. And mm-hmm. that's, that's something. What, what, mm-hmm. what about if your android passes out for an entire chapter and then that's the red herring all along? <laughs> What if like, the beginning of the game was actually two thirds of the way through the story? What if, what if there were two cool androids who were twins, and but they were turned into androids by like an evil doctor who wanted revenge on the little boy who repeatedly, um, like thwarted his evil plans to take over the world, uh, and then he was Dragon Ball. And then ghost, <laughs> ghost, ghost bugs. What, what if what if the androids were twins and then they were called Devolo and Popolo and we were just playing near instead? Oh god, I wish we were playing near instead. <laughs> <laughs> These are a lot of really good Surprise, questions. Surprise, near instead. I've got five questions with which you can oh. earn points. <laughs> oh, segue. Okay. I still want to be playing near. <laughs> I heard they updated their privacy policy. (laughs) That was extremely funny. That was was a really good one, yes. That was, yeah, top tier. Yeah. I think it was Um, a washed. Question one. Left 4 Dead 2 is not available on which platform? Is it A, PlayStation 3, B, Linux, C, Mac OS X? So A... PlayStation 3, B, Linux, C, Mac OS X. Let's see your answers in three, two, one. Everyone who wrote A, you get a point. So that's. Damn it, I couldn't remember. Um, Bam! Because um, Valve was not very happy with uh, Sony for quite some time. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Oh, that's right. Sony for some reason. I just couldn't remember the timeline there. Portal Portal Two is when they when they made they made nice. Yeah. Yeah. Question two. True or false? Far Lone Sales was made with Amazon Lumberyard. I don't have Age any true. idea what the answer to this question is. <laughs> Trolls. Let's. <laughs> uh, that's a three. Two, one. Everyone who put B, you're right. It's false. Right. It was what was it I made don't with? I remember any Amazon logos when I started that game. So, what was it made with instead? Unity. Unreal. Oh, Unity. just Unity. Okay. <laughs> it's an asset uh, flip. <laughs> <laughs> if that's an asset flip, I want to know where those assets came from because they are charming as fuck. <laughs> just the Unity store. <laughs> so good. Um, 
What is Detroit Become Human currently sitting at on Open Critic? Oh god damn it. God, that oh. was back. Damn. I feel like this is a personal a, attack on me. A open critic is better than every other critic aggregator website. That's uh, a weird that's a weird answer. That's a weird answer for that question. Yeah. That's also yeah. like that's also like a very weird uh not great pool that you're pulling from no it's like metacritic rotten tomatoes or open critic and open critic i feel like is the best wait anyway. rotten, tomatoes, rotten tomatoes does games yeah uh, like do they? infrequently do they? jesus oh no idea i'm sure i've seen it I could i'd love to see a video game with a certified fresh thing on the cover that'd be amazing <laughs> is, what is currently sitting on an open critic is it a 80 percent b 65 percent or c 92 percent that's A is 80%, B is 65%, C is 92%. Let's have your answers in three, two, one. Show them. Everyone put A, you get correct. That's oh, good. I changed it. I really, I picked the answer that I wanted it to be, and then I switched it in the end. <laughs> a, yeah, C was pretty wrong, Pat. I don't know why you would have gone Yeah, there. totally, yes. Yeah, so, that is the one I was. Yeah, this such one a fanboy. Yeah. <laughs> What is related to Andre's discussion topic, mm. and this is the question that I am most looking forward to asking. In this, everyone point. has to refer to me as the Moon God from now on. Mm-hmm. The, so, ho- okay, okay. the Hoop God. <laughs> the Hoop God. Yeah. <laughs> the Moon the God. God. <laughs> uh, which of the following slogans was used by Sony from 1982 to 2002? Oh Jesus. A. Sony technology that moves you. B, your best choice. C, <laughs> it's a Sony. Wait, wait, wait. Before we answer... I want one to be so true so bad. Wait, but are these all slogans that they used at some point? Nope. Okay. <laughs> okay, also, okay, is, C, this, is C, it's a Sony or it's a Sony? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's a Sony. It's a Sony. I'm going to just go with the one I want it to be. Yeah, me too, me too, me too. Uh, I made up two of these. I don't Uh, doubt that. As a marketing professional, very, very real. And this is 20 years. If I was hiring for a new uh, marketing person, I would hire you based on those answers that you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so A is technology that moves you, B is your best choice. And C is, it's a Sony. <laughs> I'm just picking the one I want to. <laughs> yep. Let's, let's I, I, I bet it's all going to be the same one. See your answers in three, two, one. Anyone oh. who said, it's a Sony, you are right. Yeah. <laughs> I really years, I Sony's just... slogan was, it's a Sony. I love, I love it's a Sony. I love the complexity, though, behind your best choice, because yeah. that could be like, it's not the tone of that doesn't necessarily say like it is the best option available on the market. It says like you personally can't probably afford the better thing. Yep, so, that's and that's I just thought it was the best choice in the quiz. So yeah, just settle. Yeah, I love it's a Sony though because that's such like a nondescript statement. It's like it's a Sony, but it's like oh man, that's so cool. What is it? Oh, it's a Sony. I, I think I think the way. I think the way Sam said it did a, dis- a disservice. 
I also, though, like technology that moves you is, to be clear, the best out of those three options oh, from oh, a like oh, also yeah. from a marketing okay, perspective. Okay, Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. I, that I, was, I just... that was what I wanted to pick, but I was like, it just it can't. Like, it's a Sony. No, Sam could not come up with it's a Sony. I just, no, because I, I imagine that the person who was mar- who's the marketing manager, like, woke up late and was like, shit, I don't have anything. Uh, uh, what's our new slogan you got to pick it uh, it's it's a sony and they're like we'll take it it's just <laughs> such like, a nondescript wow. like it's a sony wow i'm sure this it's isn't specific to video games but like i like the idea that sony saw like mario and their response was like <laughs> fuck yeah we're just gonna say it's a sony and that's our big that's our they're like starting the like corporate digs then <laughs> If the uh, play or if the Nintendo Sony CD thing came out, that could yeah. have been. We could totally. still be saying it's a Sony today. Yeah. yeah. True. Question five: What oh, year God, was, another was Hyrule Warriors originally released for Wii U? Is it A. 2016, B. 2013, or C. 2014? That's A. 2016, B. 2013. C, 2014. I think I remember where I was when that came out for some reason. Answers in three. In line at GameStop to pick up the <laughs> yep. I was ready for it, baby. Answers in three, two, one, show them. Everyone who put C, you're correct. So that's everyone yes. but Andrew. It's that's a okay. Sony. <laughs> that's the new correct answer, Chica. It's a Sony. <laughs> it's a I changed my mind. This has to be the episode title now. It's a Sony. It's a Sony. I had an episode title earlier on from something that Pat said, but I've forgotten what it was. I was waiting for an opportune moment. It was ex- way, way, way earlier when we were talking about Left 4 Dead. I'm really upset. I can't remember it. It was very funny. I was still going to use the farting one. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a- it's a Sony sticks, though. Yes, thank you. <laughs> uh, Andre. I believe you wanted to lead us in a spirited discussion. Yes, a a stimulating discussion, please. Mm -hmm. Uh, Air quote, stimulating, un air quote, discussion. Um, So I'm sure you would all seen the kind of comments uh, that had come out from the discussion with John Codera, the person who has replaced Andrew House at Sony, um, talking about, oh, we're going to focus on putting out software right now so we can kind of keep things afloat because we expect uh, hardware sales to slow down as they prepare for probably like a 2020, 2021 launch of whatever the next PlayStation console will be. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there were some weird comments like they expect portable, like portable gaming isn't dead at Sony. Uh, So, well, that's Um, interesting. but they should tell the trailer uh, what I'm curious about is do you think we'll see another shift in like public favor with the console manufacturers? Like PS2 was top of the world, then Xbox three sixty came along and that kinda ate Sony's lunch. Uh, like the cell processor was like a weird thing that kind of threw things off track for them, and then they brought it back with uh, the PS4. And they've been kind of sitting pretty, and I don't know if they're in like the same position they were at the start, like the end of the PS3, start of the PS4 era. 
like uh, with all these changes in management that have kind of happened in the last six months to a year, like Kasurai leaving Sony and Andrew House leaving and Andrew Boy, Andrew Boys, Andy, Adam Boys, Adam Boys. There we go. Uh, Adam Boys leaving and like, you know, he was third party relations, but you know, a lot of like management people leaving and I just, I don't know if they're going to have, like, Sean Layden isn't, like, a Jack Tretton type. He always seems kind of fake and, like, not quite, like, he got a real good grade in public speaking class uh, with all his gestures. And, like, if he, if he just says anything, he has to do the gesture, I think. Um, but, yeah, do you, do you think we're going to, do you think Sony can pull off another, like, hit console? Or are they going to have, are they going to stumble I mean, my biggest question in that is in terms of, um, you know, finding who's going to be the top of the heat for the next one, like who's going to really replace them? Um, Mostly because I just don't really see Xbox coming back, especially since they don't have that many exclusives, although it could definitely be wrong. um, But I don't know if Xbox is really at a a great point right now to like take over and switch still feels like kind of niche in a weird way like like on the one hand it's it's really popular but on the other hand i don't see it as like replacing you know like a playstation 4 or a an xbox one so i don't know i think you're probably gonna see like these con the three big console manufacturers continue to like diverge in that the switch is going to continue to go down its path. I think that the Xbox is going to continue to move in the direction of being a PC alternative. Um, Mm -hmm. and that the PlayStation is going to continue to be the most traditional, like this is a console ass video game console. Um, that also has a Blu-ray player in it. Uh, I think that's probably the way that things will pan out, but I also don't think that you're, they can't sell a PlayStation five until there is some like insane leap forward. Like, if they, if you were to tell me right now that they're planning on announcing a PlayStation Five at the next E3 or two, I would say the only way they can make that work is if they like position it as a VR console that comes with a headset or like something along those lines that is um, an existing technology that would be unique to have in your living room, I guess. Because um, as it stands right now, like the video games that are coming out now don't look demonstrably different to a normal person compared to the ones that came out four years ago. Um, To us, we may be able to see the differences, but it's a much different world than like the shift from the PS2 to PS3. Right. Uh, Well, I think... Or even PS3 to PS4. I mean, I would say that even between PS3 and PS4, visual fidelity became much less of a thing because we kind of hit a point where everything looks real fucking good. Yes. And producing yeah. HD assets, you know, that's just expected from a, uh, let's say, a first-party developer. Like, you expect everything to look real amazing. So I think it comes down to services, and it comes down to what it offers in the periphery. Uh, yeah. so, and I think Microsoft does that pretty well, to be fair. And they did kind of try something unique by trying to make it the center of the living room box with the HDMI through and everything like that. Um so I think if I know, but like if they could come up with something that would be truly innovative, because like, let's, if we take visual fidelity out of the picture and what, what's the point of having a console in your living room? 
like they're going to have to come up with something that we don't have already. And I think Microsoft does tend to have kind of pie in the sky ideas about that kind of stuff. So they could potentially come up with something that I would never think of. Uh, I think Sony is more likely to just stick to their guns and be kind of simple, which is fine. So I, I don't know if that necessarily means that Microsoft will do better. Uh, I just think they would be more likely to take a risk. I, 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 the thing that I just, I just don't understand what having that kind of, um, you know, center of the living room thing, you know, what kind of innovation they could do. I mean, again, they'd probably have to think of something completely new, but every, every TV that's sold right now has, is like a smart TV. So you can play whatever you want on it. Every, um, getting a Blu-ray tape player is remarkably cheap. Getting a Roku, getting a Chromecast is remarkably cheap. So even as somebody that streams a lot and who, you know, could use a lot of that content, I just see zero value in adding another thing like that beyond, you know, the, the few Xbox One games that are exclusive. But I just don't know. I, it, it, I feel like it'd have to be a, a major innovation to get people to accept it as, as, a, as something like that versus mostly for games. Well, uh, Microsoft is also in a way different position than they were at the launch of the Xbox One with like Don Matrick's gone, Phil Spencer's in there. And everyone loves Phil Spencer. Good. Yeah, everyone loves Phil Spencer. Like mm-hmm. They're going to put Phil Spon- uh, a Phil Spencer in every box. False sponsor. <laughs> false sponsor. <laughs> And false sponsor is uh, that's we need to get some false sponsors. I think false sponsor has some kind of bike business in Portland. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sponsor is actually Phil Spencer. So uh, okay. thanks, but, Phil Spencer. He just uh, told us to push uh, Earthworm Jim. <laughs> but yeah, one of the things that I'm just curious about is like the leadership is like totally different. Uh, at the at the two companies now, and like the com- that the leadership that led into the creation of the PS4 and the Xbox One, where Phil Spencer seems to really get what people are wanting out of their consoles, mm-hmm. uh, like on like a personal level, where I don't get that feeling from Sony anymore. Yeah, I, I think if I was I, ever actually there, but when I, Jack Trenton was up there saying like, "And you're gonna pay for online," and everyone lost their minds. <laughs> Uh, I don't like. I don't feel like you can get that from. There's the definitely leadership there. It's definitely been like a back and forth. Yeah, you're right. Of like, when 360 came out, it seemed like the fun. Like Sony seemed like the tone deaf ones mm-hmm. in yeah. that generation, and then moving into this one, mm-hmm. Microsoft seemed like. But like now, if I were buying based on the people behind the product, I would buy an Xbox, no yeah. question. Like I don't like any of the messaging that's come out of Sony. In, yeah recent years really they don't have any of the games i want to play right yeah that's why i wouldn't buy it i'm at the point where i i basically don't need to have both consoles and so it really just comes down to fundamentally what are the exclusives and since so i i don't have like a great gaming pc but it's it's it's, i have a decent enough gaming pc that can still play play every game and play it on high and so it's like if there's no real exclusives for Xbox, why would I need it? Like, it, it, I, it, I feel like you can say, oh, the, I like the leadership at one company more than another, and I, and I think that makes sense. But at the, at the end of the day, it's that that's not going to matter to the vast majority no. of people making their console that's, decisions. Yeah, that's very true. That's if right. you're th- if you're thinking about the mom who's picking up a console for her, her kid, her 12 year old kid, and the husband. 
Like, is she going to be paying attention to whether or not Kazurai is there? No, but, of course not. But it it is it'll be interesting to see what the decisions are that are made by the new leaderships yeah. at oh, both sure. places because yeah. we could get a very like, you know that could result in very different products and different focuses. So I've yeah, that's a, what I'm kind of curious about is what I've, what happens. I've got a pizza bet for you all that is what is definitely going to happen. Pizza in Japan is really expensive, so I don't know if you want to make that bet. <laughs> uh, I'm fully happy to make that bet because I know that it's going to be. This is what's going to be. The next is going to be a slightly more powerful box. That's oh, all the next generation yeah. of consoles is going to be. Yeah. It's going to be a slightly more powerful box. No gimmicks. No fucking around. This generation proved that gimmicks don't work. So the USP for both consoles is going to be: it's faster, it's more powerful, it's backwards compatible. You can. I'll- I think backwards compatible. I could see making sense because that's Xbox that's One is huge. a lot of, of of good favor to the point where if I grew up with Xbox games, I'd be really considering getting an Xbox One right now. I just I'll don't do have you... that like history history with them to like yeah. need to go play those. I'll do you one better. The next, at least the next PlayStation, if not the next of both consoles, the PlayStation Four Pro will play the games that the next PlayStation can play, mm-hmm. and the PlayStation Four launch will not. That is uh, that is the that I I think they're going to adopt fully a Apple model of I guess, um, yeah. release cycle where the, the, the they will iterate because it's already on an architecture that doesn't make sense for it to not be backwards compatible yeah. mm-hmm. and the PS4 Pro is powerful enough to play uh, pretty much any game you could release right now reasonably and. If you don't draw the line, people won't buy the five. So that's not going to be the case. Like, I, I like from a business sense, it doesn't make no, sense. No, no, no. But not. It depends on the sales of the PS4 Pro, because the if if not, I mean, like, I will buy a PlayStation Five or whatever they call it if it is a system that is a step up from a PS4 Pro that ages out my current base PS4. I don't know what the numbers are. Talking again about like the person who buys a console for their kid at Christmas, how many of those people purchased a PS4 Pro? I would bet the numbers are not there in a right. way. And, and I mean, even as yeah. somebody that is clued into gaming and likes playing video games, I'm still like, I don't know if I need a PlayStation 4, a PS4 Pro. I'm probably going to wait for the PlayStation 5. And so yeah. it's like, I, I feel and like there's a lot of people that are waiting for that next iteration and don't necessarily need or want the... Um, it, like pro editions of these and the, the people that bought a ps4 pro are going to buy a five anyway because they bought a pro right like they're, yeah. they're going to want the best they can get right now yeah and they're so the they will keep buying market one. so i don't know i i think that's how it'll go so but it, yeah i don't know if you end up saying hey this will work on your ps4 pro then maybe those people who went out right away won't immediately jump on a ps5 because the pro didn't come out that long ago yeah um but then you know then you've got all the people who just have a a vanilla playstation jumping on the five maybe and you build a lot of goodwill that makes for those people that didn't upgrade to a pro they go Mm -hmm. oh so that means the Mm -hmm. one after in two generations i'll probably still be able to use this ps5 Mm -hmm. with whatever comes out in five or six or seven or eight years Mm -hmm. so it's worthwhile to upgrade I think I don't know. I, I think I would be more into it if they turned they they did not make it a PlayStation 5. They just made it 
the PlayStation environment. Yes. Like if they Agreed. just made it, okay, this is what we are now. Like maybe if there's a box, it's modular and you're, you're just kind of upgrading p- bits and pieces of it. Then that's I'd the be- direction I see Microsoft going in with their yeah, way of interacting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So if it became a service, then I would be super into it. The I would is going to be upgradable and it's going to be um, just called the Xbox. And uh, I expect that we see it like a year after the PlayStation and they'll be like, we don't need to upgrade because the PlayStation, the Xbox One X is the best system. And then we'll just get every three years, we'll get a new Xbox. And it'll just be called the Xbox One. 2018, 2016, whatever. The only thing about that, though, is that I feel like that could get real confusing for a lot of people. And and a lot of people who are drawn to consoles are people that don't necessarily want to think of it in a modular PC sense of like, oh, I, I, can I play this game or can I play this game? And I, I mean, I'm not saying that that's not going to happen, but I just don't know if, if that'll 100% make business sense to be like, Oh well, this game will run on this, but it might not run with this software. Like people, a lot of people who like consoles like them because they're easy, or like them because it's, uh, you know, that putting a game into your console, it's gonna work. I think the only thing you're gonna be able to upgrade is gonna be the graphics card and like hard drive. I think pretty much everything else will be consistent. Yeah, starting to get into like the RAM, starting to get into like the RAM expansion area of like the N64. I don't foresee a world where any of these things like lock you out of playing something either. I think the next Xbox will probably have upgradable components to put it more in line with PCs. But I also think that it'll be like you can play any Xbox game on any Xbox, yep. but if you buy this thing, it might make it better. Um, right. Right. If you don't development they... for it, like kind of problematic though. Um, you have to test it on every like iteration it, or. It only doesn't because they already do that for PC games, and they're yep. the same architecture now. That's true. Otherwise, yes, you'd be it. right. If you're making yeah. a game and testing it on currently, there's three Xbox SKUs. Mm, that's going to be four. Yeah, there's two. I like the the S. All it adds. One S is different. All it adds is the HDR. And it'll I still be less complex can. than PCs, where PC developers have to test for different chipsets and for different yeah. graphics card configurations and manufacturers. Um, whereas, yeah, Microsoft will still control everything down that chain. So there will yeah. still be a finite number of hardware uh specs that they that developers will have to troubleshoot for so i think it's very doable and i actually think too that sony again this is sort of my if i were working at sony this is probably what i would do because i think that's the direction microsoft is going to go in if i were sony i would say we're not even putting out any crazy new hardware we're putting out this half step up from the pro that maybe ages out the ps4 but hey if you live in an area where you have really fast internet we're going to sell you this box that costs $150. You plug it into your router uh, with a, a wired connection, plug that wired connection into a TV or whatever, and then you can just stream games all you want. You can stream the newest PlayStation 5 game. There's no hardware in the box that's plugged into your router. It's just a streaming box because like PlayStation now works. It only works in places where there's really good internet, so they have to release a standard console too for everyone, but... I, I could see them going that route too, where like we're selling you a box that has no hardware in it. It just streams stuff and it's got a fast Wi-Fi because like Wi-Fi is getting 
new Intel Wi-Fi releases are going to be even faster than uh, Cat5 and Cat6. So we have a controller that connects to your Wi-Fi, so you can play with this controller anywhere in the house on any display that's plugged in um, or, hell, even connected via wi- fast Wi-Fi so that they're really going after, like, the the – I have fast internet and I just want to play games as easy as possible market and Microsoft's going into the more like, I don't want to go through the hassle of building a PC, but I want to pretend like I want customizable console stuff. That's kind of the way I see it going. And then you have Nintendo in the middle. That's like, we just make fun games on an easy to use machine. Yeah. Debatable. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) What the fun games. I I don't see Sony ever doing anything that isn't, this is the best console you can buy. It's a console. It has controller ports. Thank you. But the best console you can buy is one that you don't even have to plug into your television. That's <gasps> <But laughs> your mind. <laughs> oh, the company no. that sells televisions, I think that they're going to want to like make themselves the owner of the living room. Like they mostly currently are because they own Blu-ray. They own... But what if, they could, what if they could own all your rooms by giving you a box that beams to any of them? Ooh. Then uh, the but, like 85% of the world that doesn't have good internet is not going to buy it. I just don't, I don't think that Sony's going to put two SKUs out because they don't want to confuse people. I think that Sony is... They already have, though. Yeah, but for a console launch... Oh, I don't think this is something that you're going to see them like launch alongside anything else. And I, I'm not saying I'm positive that they're even going to do it in the first place. I just think it'd be smart. I think you would need to launch it very much like a year after you put out your next thing so that you are not cannibalizing the sales of the next thing after that. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I then you target you, people that wouldn't buy it anyway. I'll tell you what I think the actual next thing for Sony is, and it's a portable PS4. That's a tablet. That's basically a switch. If they do that, they're chasing Switch, and I think that's like... I don't think you're wrong. I think that's totally possible. I think that would be the, the wrong move for them, though. I, I think that we'll get a PS5, and then we'll get a portable PS4 that's got vanilla PS4 hardware. Uh, hot scoop. I've got the name of the next PlayStation portable system. PS Mortem. It's going to be the PS I Love You, but uh, Jeff got the suit. Um, yeah so yeah I think I I, I do think that uh, they've talked a lot about portables recently and I think that Sony makes like semi-decent Android tablets and I think that that's they're going to use that know-how and make a something that can play games you can buy from the PlayStation Store you're probably Uh, right I don't know if they're going to have limits on it. They're going to be like, you can play Until Dawn, but you can't play God of War. They make but, that PlayStation phone. Yeah, they've already done it once. Yeah, um, that thing wasn't very good, though. No, no, no that was wasn't. PS4 remote play for phones is apparently very good. My, Transferring. Yeah, my brother uh, played when we went on holiday to uh, Longleat this year. He... Uh, brought his phone and he just clipped on a DualShock 4 and played a cut like a daily mission in Destiny. And it was just like through shitty hotel Wi Fi. Mm. Well, Villa Wi Fi. And like he was like, Yep, yeah, my PS4 is wired at home. Doesn't really matter about the connection on the other end. Um, and like genuinely, like he just played a bit of Destiny. 
And he's like, yeah, I've done this multiple times. It's really well done. Yeah, and I guess the thing about it that I don't understand, I think, again, to be clear, I'm not arguing with you. I think you're right. Yeah. I'm arguing with the hypothetical Sony exec in this situation is like, given that, why wouldn't I just keep using my phone and not buy their fancy new tablet thing? And I, mean, I don't think you that can they're really gonna get prevent... that on Sony phones, and a lot of people don't have Sony phones. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. <laughs> I still yeah, think like, like, well, actually, you can download the app for anything. You just like sideload it if you've got Android. Right. I, I guess I just think that, like, again, I still th- I think they're, that that's a that's a very potential direction for them to go in, but it still shows that they're not really getting it, I guess, because um, <laughs> I think that it would be smarter for them to say, hey, we're going to make this app experience work really well on your existing phone and tablet to get you into our ecosystem. Um, but I think you're your. The, the hypothetical you're presenting is probably more realistic than the one that I am, even if I think my idea is smarter. <laughs> the problem with getting it on phones and tablets is that not every um, manufacturer is going to get on board. If not every manufacturer is on board with it. For example, Apple is never going to let you sell PlayStation games on their phone through right. an, anything. But they do well, already. You've already seen that with Valve, though, with Steam. Yeah. Well, like, but- you can... You can't buy anything on an Apple device without giving 30% of that sale to Apple in app purchases anywhere. You can buy stuff through the, the PS app. I don't, I've, Apple maybe, but you can buy stuff through the PlayStation Store app on Android. Yeah. Like, yeah. You can buy, you can buy games, games and stuff, but not for your iPhone. You can't but it wouldn't be for your iPhone. For your it would be for a PlayStation 4 that you can stream it to. But that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's the exact issue that Valve just ran into, and now they're... Like, you know, theoretically, that's yeah. going to get worked out. But... You're right. With Apple, I don't think it'll work. But I, I don't know. I still see that as being a smart. Apple has Android. a very small market share compared to Android. But also yeah, Android, like, yeah. there's it's so much 20%. fragmentation. There's, like, so much fragmentation there that, like, is it you're going to get such a small subset of people? Which is like 95% of Android phones can't run the latest OS. Like I think you guys, I think you guys are both right, and that's why I think no matter what Sony tries to do, they're gonna try to do something to capture some of the Switch market, and they're gonna fail. And people are still mm-hmm. gonna buy Switches because Switches are still gonna be a better option than whatever Sony comes up with. But what if, what if Sony puts out a handheld console that can play Resident Evil Seven? It can play all those games that people are like, oh, I wish it was on the Switch. It's on the Five. It actually does. That switch could play Persona Five. It's not yeah. that. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, if they put out if they put out a thing that actually is like focused on like the like on a on power instead of you know, like obviously you'll be playing I mean, a compromised version because you're not gonna get that kind of performance yeah, out of a like, handheld thing. It, it's a GTX 1080 in your hands. But do you really want to play God of War on a handheld? I don't, but apparently people do. I don't think I mean, they will when they that see it. Plays every game on Switch. I I love I love it. So yeah, yeah because Switch games are like work for the form factor, though. If you the give it, it, give technology like two three years, and a PS4 will fit in something the size of your phone. No, I, I'm not arguing that. I'm, I'm saying like, I think that what it'll will, work. Yeah, I think what we'll get is we'll get a something that is between phone and tablet size, so like six to seven inches. Um, with a snap-on controller like sure. grip, so like, um, but not like a Joy-Con. So I'd say I'm, I'm assuming it's all one frame that you 
clip around the edge mm. and it is just a PS4. It, uh, literally, the insides are a PS4. It has PS4 software. It runs anything a vanilla PS4 can run. I, I can see seeing. it not doing well in the States, like whatever portable thing they do, but I could see if they could make a more powerful portable console it doing well overseas in Japan, China, places like it that. It could be. I can tell you right now it would do amazing for kids because like mm-hmm. yeah I, I, like i know like when i in my old job i had a load of like just around christmas i had a load of people come up to me and like hey i know you play video games what would you recommend i buy my son and i was like everyone buy them the switch it's the best option it's like and they switch all bought doesn't have Xboxes. <laughs> switch switch doesn't have fortnite and they all bought xboxes to play fortnite and minecraft if huh. If Sony could put out a handheld console that plays Fortnite, game over, man. If they could put they out it's an exterior phone. Months, yeah, like, but like, who the f- like the, the, I, they play it on their phones, but like, it's garbage. They could they could actually play Fortnite. I saw it, I I didn't know that I mentioned this, but I saw teens playing PUBG in real world on their phones before I saw teens playing Fortnite. You can't actually play Fortnite on a PS4 anyway because it's not a personal computer. Wait, isn't what? Oh, I see what you're saying. I'm just fucking with you. I don't actually believe that. No, no. I I was like, wait, isn't it? What? Uh, But no, I I see. Yeah, yeah. I I see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I think I'm a real cynical person when it comes to the next gen, but I'm optimistic in that I do want a upgraded PS4. Like, I want a shit hot ps4 because i have a lot of digital content i have like 200 Man. digital games I'm for my sure PS4. PS, i'm sure your ps4 gets pretty hot when you play uh, detroit well you know i have the professional edition playstation 4 uh so i don't know i'm never close enough to my ps4 to find out uh, but okay, yeah. So I think we can kind of wrap this up. We've been going almost two hours now. But I'm curious, like, what would make you excited about like a next generation of consoles? Like, what is there anything currently where you're like, I just I'm not seeing it, or what? What would you need? I want it to be fully backwards compatible, smaller, quieter, and colder. I mean, backwards compatibility does make me excited. Like, that would genuinely, as somebody that's getting kind of into like retro games, the more virtual console type backwards compatibility, I I think that's really valuable and really exciting. Um, I mean, it's only going to be back to the PS4. Like, let's not let's right, not right, crazy. right, 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 exactly. But I mean, but I mean, anything anything's better than nothing. If um, they if they make it powerful enough maybe they could emulate the cell processor mm, i don't know yeah but i don't know that's honestly, the most powerful processor ever devised yeah it's honestly, the consoles, though, it's, all, it's all about the games for me and unless there's like some something where they're showing look this game is clearly better because of xyz I, that's that's what i want i i don't really necessarily care about form factor that much although i do love my switch so that's it's a lie, but I, it, it's mostly, you know, if, if I see that there's a lot of great games on the way for the next gen of consoles, then that's what I'm going to get. I think for me, it's inter-device connectivity. There is no reason why I shouldn't be able to log in to Destiny and look at 
even if I can't play a strike, like get my ducks in a row so that I'm ready to log in. And like, as soon as I get home, like I'm taking the bus on the way home from work, I should be able to log into destiny, get everything ready to go. So that as soon as I walk in the door at home, I can just sit down and be playing a strike. Like, and that's extends to other games too. Like I should be able to check my state of decay to resource levels on my phone before I get home to get into play. Like that's the kind of stuff that I'd like to see. So you want to take a trip back to 2014 and experiences <laughs> sort of, class. but good ones, ones that don't suck. <laughs> Alex, do you have any thoughts? None that hasn't really been said. I mean, I'd still stand by that if it was more of a service than a console, that would probably be my preference, but I also don't know how they would do that with the hardware and keep that relatively accessible for average Joe Schmo. On live, uh, everything is on live. Yeah. So here's an interesting one, quick thought. If Sony comes out to you and they say, we've got, um, we've got the PS5, it's $200 and $10 a month, and you have to keep it for two years, and at the end of the two years, you have an option of upgrading to the PS5 2023 edition. Mm. Or you can keep your PS5 and still play $10 a month. Wasn't, so, wasn't Microsoft playing with that idea for a little while with the 360? You buy it from Microsoft stores. Yeah. I, I, $100 for the Xbox. And you had to have a three-year contract to Xbox Live. Yeah, the subsidized model. I don't think that worked in their little experiment, so I don't know if it would work this time either. Like so, wait. Okay, in your in the scenario you were proposing, you're paying two hundred dollars. Yeah, and then you're paying ten dollars a month on top of that. Yeah, I mean, like most mobile phone contracts. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, Okay, let me. Okay, so I'm, I'm I'm walking through this, and then if you don't upgrade, you still continue to pay ten dollars a month to get plus or whatever. No, could I just buy a year of plus? Yes. Okay, well then, like... So basically, you have to pay for Plus and yeah. probably PlayStation Now or something. Like, I mean, depend. like, I, that would be a lot... I would probably jump on a PS5 a lot quicker in that scenario um, instead of having, like, it's just a lot easier. I don't know. In the past, I haven't had, like, a job or, like, savings. So, like, mm. you know, getting to the point where I could save up to buy a console. Uh, like, I was... I was what 13 14 when the ps4 came out or ps3 came out so like you know um i, got I didn't ps3 for my 21st birthday on launch uh like i bought myself my like first console i bought myself i think i guess i bought like a 3ds for myself and stuff but i bought like a ps4 for myself for a birthday present and that was like whoa um i, I didn't have a job at that moment either but um <laughs> You know, decisions. I, I think I would be a lot quicker to jump on a uh, subsidized console because, like, I would plan to keep it and play it. And, like, I can just go, okay, yeah, I can have $10 a month to play this console because mm. I'm going to be p paying it anyway. I think yeah. with the move away from subsidized phones uh, in – well, I, I'm thinking very United States focused too, so I apologize. Yeah. But, like, I don't think it would really work that well here because, like – new people are kind of forgetting that that ever was a thing because it's like not really a thing now um, well, it's because they replaced the model right and you're just pay you're paying the full price just over yeah yeah subsidized phones are huge in the uk i don't know i can't speak for the rest of the world but 
I don't know how it works. Every phone is free on contract or reasonably priced on contract. That's how it was in the States until a few years ago, and then it changed here. Um, I don't know how it works in, like, China. I would think – I always – my thought whenever I catch myself and go, like, wait, no, I'm being specific to the U.S. is, like, how do they do it in China? Because that's probably the way that it'll matter it's to the biggest market in the world. Yeah. It? Yeah. But speaking of the biggest market in the world uh, – The market of ideas. Topic. Yeah. Um, I want to talk very shortly about next week's episode. Uh, next week's episode is our E3 pre The biggest market in the world, the LA Convention Center. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going from the biggest market in the world to the biggest gaming convention in the world. Um, oh, I thought it was a flea market. I'm pretty sure Gamescom is bigger than E3. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not even true, though. Uh, I'll remind me to tell you the story about the World of Tanks booth at uh, Gamescom and how weird it was. Anyway. Uh, so, um, yeah. So, E3, um, what we're going to do is the whole of next week is going to be E3, uh, maybe a, like a, a betting slash uh kind of prediction special um what i'm gonna do is um i will write up a load of predictions so like 10 or 20 or so and everyone will weigh in yes or no as to whether they think that thing is going to happen uh and there'll be points for those and then everyone will have the chance to give um a set number of predictions for each press conference and you get more points for the bets that you personally make up uh, if they turn out to be right um so it's going to be not super complicated i'm going to try and keep it as easy and simple as we can uh, that's why i'm going to make up a lot of the bets um just so that it's kind of similar to the quiz format um and uh yeah, so that that's the the current plan. Um, obviously, things can change in the next week, uh, and uh, we'll uh, yeah we'll, we won't announce anything, but you guys can listen along with us. Uh, uh, no looking at leaks, no cheating. Yes, agreed. Uh, if you see a headline, it's like you know, forget about it. Okay. Forget about it. Shield your eyes. Stay off the internet for a week. Uh, no, no reading articles about E3 leaks. I kind of want to go the other way around because I want to get as deep and accurate as I can. I, I mean, no, no leaks. No leaks. Make the, make the game fun. It's one week. Yeah. Okay. It's been well, one week since you leaked to me. It's been a great podcast, everyone. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, so that's next week's episode. Um, the one thing that I might say that we might slightly deviate from that format is I will have finished Detroit. So if everyone is interested in hearing my thoughts on Detroit after having finished it, I might take 10 minutes. I actually almost would, if anyone, I don't know, I would be interested almost in breaking that out into a separate discussion, to be honest with you. I don't plan on playing through that game, but I do plan on reading the entire plot line and trying to understand all the aspects of the story this week so I can have an well, intelligent discussion about it, and it'd be interesting to talk about well, it at length. Pat, if you wanted to do a spoiler cast about Detroit, I, I am not working all week, and until uh, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday night, I do not have to uh, be sensitive of my other half because she is not here. 
We should talk. We'll talk. Yeah. Uh, I'll probably finish that game by like two in the afternoon tomorrow because it's cool. apparently 12 to 15 hours. Um, and I think I've played at least four or five. And I get up pretty early. Cool. Anyway, yes. Thanks everyone for listening this week. Uh, thanks everyone for appearing on the show as well. Don't say that often enough. Um, if you'd like to get involved in next week's betting special, um, you're probably one of our friends. So just like get in touch with us. Just uh, people can submit bets if you want. So if you're listening, the people that I know listen every week, Chris, Cheska, Xavier, if you want to, hello, if you'd like to uh, submit a bet, uh, pass it on to one of the crew and I will vet it and add it to the list. Um, But yeah, so I I think that could be pretty fun. Uh, Me and the guys will talk about this more during the week and probably firm up some fun things. Um, But uh, I think that's it. Anyone else want to say anything? Nope. Nope. You can find us on FYX Podcasts on Facebook and Twitter. Yep. Yeah. That's probably the best way to find everything because we're all all our profiles are linked on those pages. Yeah, we've said it a lot. Oh, I need to put the Pornhub one on there. Oh, wow. Commenting really wholesome, nice things on uh videos I'm just commenting on fortnite videos <laughs> oh, you should comment you should you should comment on other. like yeah you should comment on like adult content but like very wholesome comments yeah look how like much she looks like a nice lady yes comment i would make on i would not comment on a porn video but that is something i would say <laughs> there you go see, <laughs> see? we're just in character yeah. already yeah yeah thanks everyone for listening uh please make sure you visit andre's profile on pornhub uh yeah, that looks like it hurt not my oh, profile no. <laughs> alex's oh. profile he stole my identity gosh that's big <laughs> he, he posted my social security number on there oh yeah i did sweet some <laughs> cool identity there i also put your uh, uh your uh, uh license plate on there oh my license plate. I don't have a car. Yet. Shit. We bought you a car. <laughs> and we've it's got a Pornhub hub logo on it. It's the Pornhub car. It's the Pornhub car. <laughs> I can't drive that to school. It's affectionately called the Hubmobile. <sighs> okay. We have to okay, okay, I think I think we need to call it. Uh, porn hubcaps. The tailpipe okay. is a dick. Oh, wow. <laughs> that wouldn't make any sense. No, no, it's where you put your dick. I mean, it sticks out. It's a roadster. Thanks, everyone, for listening. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Gotta get in tune with Sailor Moon, because I actually got the wrong, the boom anime. Yeah. Yeah. Good song. Bye. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Let's talk about this again. Bye. <laughs>